Today, we're going to talk about dealing with difficult employees. It's almost like a line item in our job descriptions, but how really, how should we be even thinking about this? That's coming up now. Hi there, I'm Andrea Adams, and this is the HR Hub. On this show, you learn about all kinds of things related to HR, so if that's what you've come for, you're in the right place. I encourage you to subscribe to the show or podcast to keep learning from my guests. Today, my guest is Emily Lord. Emily is an HR consultant with HR West, and she's an instructor at the local college. Full disclosure, she and I work together, and so I know that she has a lovely way of reframing difficulties, so she's really perfect for this topic. Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Andrea. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So difficult employees. Uh, it's almost like I said, a, a line item in our job description. So can you elaborate on just this idea of difficult employees? Well, first of all, employees are a line item in our job description, really. As HR professionals, that's one major part of our role. But when it really comes down to um, difficult people and, and that being a line item in um, our in our HR function, I would like to suggest we think about reframing it. I think it's working with different people because really that's oftentimes where the challenges arise, whether it be between ourselves working with our managers that we support or the team that we lead, or whether we're helping our people that we are supporting from an HR perspective to navigate different and challenging conversations. It's like, it just seems like it comes up all the time and you're sort of like flummoxed. There's a word for the day, but anyways, <laughs> by yeah. like what, like they're presenting in so many different ways, you know, there's performance issues and there's uh, attendance issues and there's, I mean, you name it, some of, some employees just come at you from all angles. So mm -hmm. How can we reframe those situations in a way that is productive and respectful and hopefully gets to some kind of resolution? Absolutely. Well, so sometimes this all comes up and, and you mentioned a number of different scenarios within the HR function. So performance management being one, for example, that often comes from like what I think of as like the misses. So like misunderstanding oh. or miscommunication or maybe misalignment. So, um, and what I kind of mean by those pieces are that perhaps there's just a misunderstanding. So um, if you're coaching an employee or you're helping a manager to coach an employee, maybe there's some sort of like confusion about role clarity or what were the objectives um, that that person was supposed to be working on when I'm thinking about coaching and performance. And then how is the communication happening? Are you saying and are we coaching our people to be clear about what they're saying so that it's being understood? So we're avoiding miscommunication. And then the other piece is that, do we have the right people in the right roles at the right time? Or is there a misalignment? So I think that, I mean, there's lots of other potential misses, 
But if we can think about it in those ways, and that's how I like to think about it when I'm working with people is like, okay, is there, is there a, uh, a disconnect somewhere um, that has meant that there is a myth that has arisen? And let's, let's take a look at that. Usually, you know, when we're sitting in the HR at that desk, the manager comes in and says, I have this employee. And they're just oozing frustration and they want us. Yeah. I mean, I might, they want us to do something now. Fix yes. it. Fix it now. Oh, yeah. How do you handle that? Sometimes, yes, that is a lot the case. The other times is that actually the first way we can um, look like we're helping and actually helping is to be listeners for the manager. They need to sort of release or or share what they're experiencing. So again, that's not jumping to conclusions and help. It's just providing a space and an opportunity for um, that manager to sort of unpack what has happened or what the scenario is that they're facing. But it, but a caution to kind of jump in and go, this is how I can help. Whereas to sort of look at it, first of all, and go, okay, I can help you to help navigate this situation rather than me going in and yes. being the person that goes in and helps a dynamic between a manager and their team member. Because that doesn't always solve the case. Now, of course, not one size fits all, right? Let's think about like we face as HR professional legal um, risks or risks right. where it's getting to that point where, okay, are we meeting employment standards here? Is this a harassment and bullying situation? Is there a work safe or an occupational health and safety scenario where, yes, we do need to come in and partner with leaders or perhaps even step in in the place of the leaders to sort of na at least navigate and start the situation. But really, it is much more powerful for us to stay behind the scenes and to support the leader um, with their or manager with their their people scenario. Because we kind of need to stay a little bit removed from these situations sometimes. Because what happens if actually what's really happening is the the leader is missing another miss, missing the mark with their employee, right? And so, and the employee needs us as HR professionals to step in and support as well. So that's where that trying our best to stay neutral is really important. Um, as HR professionals, we, we run that really difficult line of we need to be there for the people leaders, employees, team, everybody, but we're also there for the business. So it's that difficult line that we're skirting there to make sure that um, we're there for, for everybody. Yeah. What happens? What happens if we do nothing? Well, yeah. I mean, carrying on from what I was saying, like I, doing nothing I mean it may go silent or quiet for a while and you may not hear anything and you're like oh it's improved it's it's good we don't need to do anything but in reality um it's not usually the case and to not do anything is uh, potentially pretty damaging because look at your attrition rate like are people staying on the team? Look at your engagement survey results. 
are people happy in and feeling like they're in a supportive environment? Um, I think that to do nothing is incredibly dangerous and it's costly for businesses. It doesn't show leadership strength. And honestly, uh, you, you need to do something to address it. Yeah. Probably leads nicely into my next question. So sometimes you just need to terminate an employee. It seems unsalvageable or it is unsalvageable. I don't know. How do you know when you've crossed that line? Typically, the termination point is when it gets to the, the, the point where you've gone through performance management process. So, you know, I think as HR professionals, we talk about progressive discipline. So you've had the verbal conversation with the the team member, um, or you've coached your manager to have that verbal conversation. They've had some coaching around the behavior that you don't wish to see and you'd like to have change. You've offered help um, and, you know, come up with a plan for how to turn things around. Mm-hmm. And perhaps you've even, so I'm going through that whole progressive discipline process, but, you yeah. and, and you've gotten to the warning page, the official written warning scenario. And each employment place is slightly different and their progressive discipline process may have more yeah. steps, but typically those are the steps. So, But in the situation, though, is if you're not seeing this behavior changing and you've given it a suitable amount of time, and I'm not talking like one day, yes, you know, and or it is so acute that it is completely disregarding respectful workplace policies and legislation. And you've done a review of the situation to determine that it is, in fact, Mm -hmm. um, against policies and guidelines. That would be sort of when you would look to make the termination. Um, yeah, I see a lot of employers just like, I don't want to go through that. I just want to yeah. sever them. I'm going to give them money. I'm going to just sever them. Yes, that does have to happen sometimes. And that does because that's I would I would call those acute situations where there's perhaps reputational risk to a business. Some some organizations, you know, an instance like that, like perhaps it's a they've had a difficult or really inappropriate interaction with a customer Mm. in today's age of social media, like that interaction would and likely will be on online before, before you know it. And it is incredibly damaging uh, reputationally, but ideally in an ideal world, you're making this decision after you've had some time to make an individual aware of, Mm -hmm. you know, well, not make that sounds that sounds terrible, but to to support them to understand like what what you're seeing and you know it's funny there you corrected yourself make your make them aware, but I think a lot of HR people would not make that correction. They would not even uh, be aware of the kind of mindset that comes with I'm going to make you aware of your responsibilities. Sorry, and then I kind of interrupted you. Did I <laughs> okay. derail your train of thought? No, no. So I don't know. Have I answered your question around the termination piece? Yeah, I think you have. I, I think you have. I just sometimes like those, all of those steps too take forever, right? They can take like to go through first you do some coaching and then you get to the step discipline. It can take 
a long time. And in that time, the person is toxic and damaging the workplace, damaging the employee experience for everybody else. And it's Mm -hmm. hard to know when to pull the plug. I want to ask this question, though. Have you ever seen an employee turn their behavior around? When you have been going through these sort of disciplinary steps or even intense coaching around these vague sort of nebulous behaviors that are not aligned with culture? Yes. Yes, I have seen it. I, I'm not going to uh, say that it's very frequent, um, but I have seen it. Mm-hmm. And it actually has truly been due to the fact that they weren't aware that that was how they were presenting themselves. Oh. I find that in situations where it doesn't turn around, it's often due to the misses and very likely due to misalignment. And it, it's far greater than work, perhaps, the workplace. So it's that there there are other things going on that unfortunately, when they come into the workspace, of course, we want to recognize and support people for their for their whole selves. That's that's yeah. the ideal. And the individual also needs to think about how they they bring their whole selves to work. Right. Yeah. And that that's not always possible. Sometimes sometimes we're going through things that just we can't set aside mm-hmm. uh, when we come through the work doors. But that also being said, so the misalignment piece I find is often around the role and it's like in some of the behaviors that you would hope to see changes on from your performance and coaching. It's so misaligned because the the role that they're in perhaps is not not quite right for them. What I've seen in that sense of that misalignment, because it just all of this resonates, right? Mm-hmm. Is that... Uh... Employers were like, they'll recognize the misalignment and they'll do what they can to create a role that they think will be better aligned for that individual. Mm-hmm. It still fails. Yeah. You know, uh, this, the employee is disgruntled. It just doesn't meet their needs or whatever. If you were my um, my client or, or manager that I was working with, I would say, oh, uh, okay, so you've created a new position for the person. Did you involve the new person in that? Did, or did you ask some questions at least to find out sort of where there might have been some misalignment or or disconnects to sort of help bring it back together and create that right next step? The other thing is, is that I think what I hear um, oftentimes, I don't know if you hear this too, Andrea, is that... Um, it could be seen a bit as a reward. Absolutely. I was just about to say that. Yeah. You're, getting, you're going to get this nice position designed for you because yeah. you're a whiner. And that's how, that's kind of how other people are seeing it. Well, I don't I, know how to navigate I need to that. interrupt you there because the whole how other people see it is actually another good point as to why it's so important that you address um, these situations and not ignore them. Because if you address, if you don't address these situations, others are seeing that you're not addressing these situations. But then if you dress it and, a, and the person appears to get a reward in a better position. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So 
there is definitely some important considerations with those optics, right? Because if, yeah, because that could be very much how it looks like. So I would caution people and, and I have in the past is just to be thinking like, well, first of all, we need to turn things around in the current role you're in. If you are nipping things in the bud early, mm-hmm. like these things should be happening fairly quickly, especially if it's, you know, a newer person to the organization, you can be saying like, oh, I think we need to clarify some expectations here. And I'd love to know what's happening for you because this is what we're seeing um, when you're interacting or 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 some of the ways you're communicating. And so nipping that early is really important. How many times, I'm going to flip the switch, Andrea, how many times have you um, experienced, you know, a coaching situation with a manager or a client and they've said, well, we did start to see these challenges during the probation period. Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm, and that my first reaction is, you did? What did you do <laughs> did about you it do? then? And usually it's like, well, and, and I get this. It's usually like we were, you know, we were in a recruitment crunch right now or, and we needed people. Or we were hoping they'd get like, we were just hoping they'd sort of figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, dear. Oh, dear. And <laughs> oh, dear. Comes. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I can actually most of the situation that come my way have started early on. Yeah. And that's another point about why it's so important to not avoid these conversations, even though it feels maybe really uncomfortable sometimes to have these direct conversations. You can still be kind, um, but be clear. Helping managers deal with their employees in these difficult situations would seem to be the role of a, an advisor or above. So as someone who might be moving into a role where they're going to be facing these kinds of situations, or if they discover they are and they're like, it's impacting them, they're not dealing with them effectively, what would you suggest? Uh, well, don't avoid them. First uh-huh. So it is practice. It yeah. is practice. Um, the other thing is, um, and to this day, I still write out some key points when I'm supporting a manager with these difficult conversations. Yeah. And then encourage them to sort to write out some key points um, so that they can kind of be clear about the messages that they want to, to deliver. Yeah. And um, I think that helps just even bullet points, like a couple of words about what's happening. Or a couple questions is probably better so that they're making sure that they are um, having that open dialogue and conversation with the the difficult or or challenging um, employee situation. The other thing is, I mean, how many times have you taken away um, ideas and tips and tricks from people you've worked with? Like, for me, that's been probably the most powerful um, tools. So I would definitely seek those, seek those people where you want to take, you know, key points from them. Actually, the other thing that I find really helpful 
is putting into perspective that something that you might actually feel is difficult might actually not be that difficult for the person you're delivering the message to. It's more difficult for you delivering the message or a manager delivering the message than it might be for the individual to receive. Yes, that's so true. That's so true. And that, but then you come at it with this kind of nervous, anxious energy mm-hmm. and the other person just sort of gets suspicious and gets their back up and because they can sense it and it's going south because of your energy, not theirs. Actually, on that point, how about, and I, I have done this sometimes, you kind of have to be mindful of like the situation, um, but sometimes I've actually even owned it. And said, "I'm actually I'm I'm uncomfortable with this conversation. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I do feel a bit, you know, like this is difficult uh, for me. But I want to make sure that you know we have a really good conversation. And um, so I really because I really care. And mm-hmm. in in most cases, you need to you do need to really care. <laughs> you can't just say that, but uh, because it will come through if you don't." Uh, but, uh, actually just calling it what it is sometimes really helps to kind of clear the, clear the air a bit before you launch into the conversation. Okay. Andrea, I had an amazing boss who, who told me once that when you're having these difficult conversations with people or you're in a difficult situation, um, that, you know, you're obviously going to be having continued relationships with the person that you're having these difficult conversations with. Yes. It's really important to go back quickly afterwards. So within the, like the next 24 hours to sort of collect that person that you had that difficult conversation with and check in. And because in some ways, like I visualize it kind of like you have this bridge between you and the person you're working with. And when you have a difficult conversation, um, you kind of slightly damage the bridge, right? Because, or you, you might feel like that anyways. And so, um, or they might feel like that. And so you kind of need to go back and kind of like, Oh, I want to make sure I'm rebuilding that bridge. And then the HR advisor in me wants to say, document your conversations well i was going to say for the document your conversation piece that might work well initially and then perhaps you may wish to if people aren't picking up sort of on the on the things that you're hoping that they can turn around uh i often suggest that you ask the individual that you've had the coaching conversation with to send you a message Uh, with the key takeaway point so that you can kind of determine if you're actually aligned with the steps forward and the way forward. Well, that's genius. (laughs) Yeah. Helpful, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's so helpful actually, because as an advisor, they're, they're helping you to make sure that it's well-documented, but, but really you are getting further clarity. Right. And you're, Oh, that is such good advice. I'm totally taking that advice. <laughs> I'm going to pass that on um, to the situation that someone I ha- know has been dealing with. I haven't been dealing with personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great advice for them. All right. I'm going to leave it here. Awesome. Thank you. 
Well, thanks, Emily. I'm definitely taking away that part about the misses uh, and all the kind of misses that could happen. Uh, I'm going to quote that to my clients now. I recently did an episode where I talked about the manager being the difficult employee, and a link to that is right here. Thanks for watching out there. We'll see you next time.